Alright, ready? Welcome to Auto Off Topic. What's up, Brad? Fun fact. What's that? We were discussing Bugatti EB 110s. Yep. Um, and we couldn't remember what engine it had. I don't think I ever knew. It said a 3.5 liter quad turbocharged V12. Whoa, tiny little pistons. Yeah, it's a little tiny guy. What? Who made it? The engine? Was it Bugatti? Oh, I'm, I'm not positive. I don't... You're asking me all kinds of questions. I literally just looked Well, it's it because I, I was cleaning out stuff down here, and I, I dug out a, a Barago Bugatti 110 uh, diecast. Oh, it's actually stamped with 1991 in it. That checks. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the engine was produced by. It's not it, it's not immediately apparent on the, where I'm looking at it, but that's uh, it's not what I thought that it had. So, anyway, interesting fun fact. Yeah, sixty valve quad turbo V12 through twelve individual throttle bodies. Whoa! Yeah, none of these run anymore apparently. Well, wasn't there one at Radwood LA? <laughs> no. There's one inside the Peterson, which was at Radwood LA, but there wasn't like it was not a Bugatti there. I thought the one in LA had a Bugatti on the on the parking structure there. Oh, though. maybe in front of the Cesetta Marauder? Yeah. No, there was no Cesetta. I don't remember. I don't remember. I know there was a a vector was there. I don't remember an E B one ten being outside. I thought there was an E B one ten there. I feel like I remember that. There was I definitely there, one inside so. the Peterson. So I can guarantee you that. Well, we'll find but out. We're gonna somebody's gonna tell us. I'll look into that. I'm not sure. Hey, what have you been up to? Oh, you got an hour? Uh, I do. Okay, good, because I'm <clears throat> gonna need it. All right, story over. We'll um, we'll definitely get to climb the clouds. Yep. But we'll cover some other stuff first. Sure. Um, I've been working on the Colt like hardcore nonstop. So the whole purpose for this trip back to Massachusetts. All right, not the whole purpose, but the main purpose for this cult, this cult, this trip back to Massachusetts was to put this cult together. So we talked about it on our last episode. Um, I think we left off. The head was on, maybe. Maybe. Ooh, we're recording late tonight, so yeah, a little yawn. Pardon, pardon, no yawning. No good. Um, Real yeah. exciting episode. Already falling asleep. Yeah, no good, no good. Well, you've already heard the whole story, so you don't care. That's right. <laughs> um, so anyway, the car to rewind real fast. Short version, long story, was seized, only has 10,000 miles in the engine, but has been parked pretty much since 1994. For like 40 years. For, not 25 years. Let's not. 1991 is not 25 years. 1994. It's like 26 <laughs> years. Anyway, so it's been a long time. Um, motor was seized. We talked about getting it unseized. Then I ran out of time to put it back together when I was here last time because we didn't have a head gasket. Um, so this time I was like, all right, I'm going to fly out there. I got three weeks. I'm going to put it together and I'm going to cannonball at home for the last weekend. Well, turns out when you park a car for 25 years and it's not like, I don't know, a 71 Camaro where you can buy parts at AutoZone regularly. It's pretty ambitious to want to drive it home after three weeks. Sure is. It was a goal. You got to have a goal, right? You got to, you got to have a goal. So you have something to miss to be disappointed with yourself. All right. So. We'll fast forward to today, and then we'll rewind a little bit. So the car runs now. I drove the car today. But it's been three and a half weeks, and I fly home the day after tomorrow. <laughs> so just having the car at a point where it runs and drives isn't a point where I can drive it across the country. It does run, and uh, you did you put it back together mostly by yourself. So 
yeah, I've been d- killing myself because I'm also working. Yeah. And because I'm in Boston working Phoenix hours, it's killing my day because I'm working from 11 till 7.30. Yeah, and I wasn't, minimum. Around, I wasn't around much. You know, my dad and your dad helped you with some stuff, but you, you did a lot of your own. So. Yeah, I did most of it myself. So it was definitely a bit of a, I don't know, I guess pat myself on the back moment right there. But I did, I did a lot of it myself. I know your father helped me with some of the wiring stuff, which is important. Um, and he helped me with some of the understanding of carburetors because carburetors are the second most magical thing in a car. Not magical like amazing, magical like it works on pure magic. I'm not 100% positive still how carburetors work, but I get it. I have a, I've had a pretty good education in the past couple of weeks working on this car because your dad knows carbs inside and out because obviously, you know, he was trained as a mechanic when carburetors were on every car on the road. So... I have a much better idea. I mean, I, obviously, we know how carbs work. We know, you know, it's basically a giant mixer of air and water. Um, but not knowing a lot of the little specifics of what parts did what and how they work. So I got a pretty good education on that. And then your father helped with some of the wiring stuff um, leading up to today. So the good news is the car runs and drives. Um, I guess I can't say runs and drives. It runs and moves. Drives implies I can drive it, right? Yeah, I wouldn't. It runs. Say it can drive. It runs and moves. It move on its own power. Correct. It runs and moves on its own power. It shifts into so far first and second, and reverse and neutral. Uh, it hasn't hit third because I haven't been able to get it going fast enough yet. But judging on everything else, I'm sure it will go into third. So I put the car. I put the battery in the car, and turned the key on, and everything worked. Mm. Lights worked, which we can thank my father for because he helped out in cleaning those up and putting them in while I was working. Um, the Radio works, the blower motor works, the taillights, turn signals. There's not much else, I guess. The wipers, nothing else is electric, so it's pretty simple. But all that stuff worked. I mean, this car only has 10,000 original miles on it, so you would think it would. But again, after sitting for as long as it sat. And it must have sat a long time before 1994 as well, because it's a 1974. And between 74 and 94, it only went 10,000 miles. Yeah. Which implies this car sat a lot. So the fact that everything does work is pretty pretty positive, so I'm pretty happy with that. But the car ran and drove today. Uh, the cylinder head is back on it. The head gasket's on it. We ran into a problem because one of the things that when a car sits for 20 years, 25 years, rubber seals go bad. So when we first got the car back together, we were able to pour fuel directly into the carburetor, and the car would start and sort of idle on it. But we couldn't pull any fuel from the tank. So we tested the fuel pump, and the fuel pump was working great, except when the fuel was pumping, instead of pumping it into the carburetor, it was pumping it out all orifices of the fuel pump. So I don't know how well you know mechanical fuel pumps, but so they sit in the side of the cylinder head, and they have an arm that rides in the camshaft on an overhead cam car, and it works on a, you know, a... a a vacuum system with a rubber diaphragm inside. What happens is if that diaphragm goes bad, there is two little relief holes in the bottom of the fuel pump to allow air to escape. But if the diaphragm is bad and the fuel is escaping past the diaphragm, then out those little air holes pumps fuel. So we had that happening, which leads you to believe that the diaphragm is ripped inside the part. You could still get this fuel pump. It's not unobtainium. Problem is, I couldn't get one in time where I was still going to be here in Massachusetts to install it. 
So we went the next step, which was to upgrade to a electronic fuel pump. And this does two things. It makes the car, I don't want to say more reliable, but if the car breaks, it makes it easier to fix. Because if a mechanical fuel pump goes and you're driving the car, say, cross-country or even, you know, out of town for a weekend, you're kind of out of luck waiting for that exact mechanical fuel pump to exist. By upgrading it to an electric fuel pump, you can go to any advanced auto parts or AutoZone or Napa and buy a generic electric fuel pump and mount it in a similar location to the ones in the car and it will work. I guarantee you will never, ever need that electric fuel pump. I hope I don't. Ever. I, and if I put the mechanical one on, I probably wouldn't either. But it's a little bit of peace of mind, I think, for a car that you're going to take on some trips. So that's good. So anyway, it's got a mechanical fuel pump in it. Sorry, an electric fuel pump in it now. The electric fuel pump, turns out, we learned, generally are pushers, not pullers. Yeah. So when you see one mounted under a hood, probably doesn't belong there. It works, but doesn't work as efficiently as it would if it was mounted down by the tank. So we decided we were going to follow the manufacturer's directions and mount it down by the tank. The other issue with that is I tend to drive old cars for very long distances. And if you have a car that never leaves town, you might be able to get away with putting it under the hood. But the problem is it's working so much harder to pull the fuel from the tank versus push it from the tank to the engine that you can overheat the pump on a long distance drive. So we decided to install it in the rear of the car because that's, again, the manufacturer's recommendation and we might as well go ahead and make the, uh, the car work properly. That was weird, Andrew. Uh, I don't know. The machine was, the Xbox was shutting off. I don't know why I did that. The steering wheel, just that steering, the Xbox steering wheel. Anyway, so the electric fuel pump is in the car. The car started and idled once we cleaned out some crud in the tank. So I'm jumping way ahead of myself. This is not a good story today, Andrew. I don't know if it's because I'm all hyped up because the car is running or it's late at night and we're recording. I should go back to the fuel tank situation. We just played some Call of Duty. Yeah, we played video games all night. Um, Not a typical night for our recording. So we put a siphon pump in the tank because I wanted to suck out any fuel that was in the tank. And it turned out that there was no fuel in the tank. Yep. So we said, hey... Let's fill this thing with some fuel. Probably, uh, in retrospect, should have used something that was more biodegradable so I didn't have to have old fuel dump afterwards. So put 10 gallons of fuel in the car. Turns out it reconstituted whatever dried crud was in the tank. And now I I have 10 gallons of what smells like expired turpentine. Yeah. It's pretty gross. I don't think I smelled a grosser car smell ever. Yeah, it's, it smells like uh, you can go drop it off at one of the sailboat building places here or something, and they'll, they'll yeah. stain some mahogany with it. Yeah, so now I have 10 gallons of garbage to get rid of. Thankfully, Salem is having a hazardous waste recycling day this weekend, so I can do that before I go home. So I don't leave your father's garage with 10 gallons of fuel sitting next to it. <laughs> so I'll take care of that. Um, drained all that out of the tank. Decided to try to run the car on the fuel pump through a separate tank. Just had a gas can, like a jerry can, zip tied to the front. Were able to drive the car across the street from where I was working on it at my parents' house into your father's garage to get it on the lift to install the fuel pump and the fuel lines out of the car. So that was the first the car drove. It drove, you know, what, 300 feet? 
Yeah. Brakes seemed suspect. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. I'll pick up some brake fluid. Hadn't checked the levels or anything. Got the car in the lift. The e-brake works great. So I could stop the car at least. Just toss it to neutral real quick and pull the e-brake up. Got the car in the lift. Fixed a few more little things with the fuel system. Got the fuel system plumbed. Ran all new fuel lines except for the metal line that runs out of the passenger compartment. Every rubber hose in the car is new. So that's a positive. That shouldn't ever be a problem ever again either. Got the car to run. Fuel goes from the tank now. We had to blow the fuel line backwards into the tank because it was clogged at whatever the pickup is. I'm not sure if it has just like a flat pickup on the bottom of the tank or if it has like one of those filter socks inside of it. But whatever was happening, it was definitely clogged up a bit and we couldn't pull fuel out of it. We had a mechanical siphon pump and we were pulling the mechanical siphon pump and the, the hoses were actually collapsing and it wasn't going through the hose. So we knew we had a blockage, so we blew air backwards through it more than we had the other day. We did it the other day to see if there was a blockage in the main lines, and we could hear the tank bubbling. But this time here we did it directly from the inlet to the tank to try to blow whatever was stuck in there out of there. And apparently it worked. So Because then we were able to use a siphon pump and get the fuel out of the tank because we had initially just plumbed the whole system and turned the key and the fuel pump wouldn't pick up fuel from the tank and bring it to the underhood filter. So we had to figure out why it wasn't. It was because the thing was blocked. And if the mechanical pump, which makes a ton more pressure than the 4 PSI electric pump does, couldn't do it, then there was no way that, you know, it was going to work on its own. So we got that cleaned out. Again, made the car run, wired in the fuel pump. You helped actually today finish the wiring in the fuel pump. Little tidying it up because you're very into making wiring very tidy, so it looks really professional under there now. Mm. <laughs> so, car starts, runs, kind of idles. It seems like it's either going to need a new or a rebuild on the carburetor. It seems like the accelerator pump is not doing anything. So, what the accelerator pump does is when you request more power from the engine with your right foot and you push your foot down. You're, just dumps fuel in. You're ingesting more air automatically by opening the butterfly valve, and the accelerator pump accelerates the fuel pump, the fuel flow, and puts more fuel in the carburetor to compensate for that. And the accelerator pump's not working, so you can slowly put your foot in it and build up revs. But if you you know give it a quick blip of the throttle, then it just chokes itself out and dies because it's getting too much air and not enough fuel. So the accelerator pump is bad. Again, there's a rubber diaphragm in there. Maybe it's torn. Maybe something is clogging the little hole that works the accelerator pump, but it's going to require taking the carb off and, like I said, either rebuilding it or upgrading it to a Weber or just damn the torpedoes and upgrade to a two-barrel Holly Sniper setup. So we'll see what the situation situation demands. So it's like 500 bucks for a Holly, sorry, for a Weber, and like $1,000 for the Holly setup, so it's not a cheap option either way. Or I could probably rebuild the car for like thirty nine ninety five. So we'll have to decide what the best choice of action, the best plan of action is for that. But So the car does move under its own power. I drove it, what, I don't know, three or 400 feet each way in the street today. Uh, it doesn't stop worth a damn. You put your foot to the floor, and it takes from 15 miles an hour a solid 30 car lengths to stop but it does stop so we know that the system is working 
You just must have either a stuck caliper in the front or a stuck wheel cylinder in the back. We'll figure it out. But long story short, I'm not driving that car to Arizona. <laughs> so now I need to decide how to get it home because the plan was to make it drivable so we could drive it to a place where it could be put in a truck. Without brakes, you can't drive it. Hmm. So I need to figure out the next plan of attack, but I'd like to get out of here before winter, and I don't plan on coming back to Massachusetts before winter. So I guess we'll have to see what the next plan is. I'm trying. Unfortunately, working the hours I'm working and only working in the car after 7.30 at night, I, I didn't get as much done as fast as I wanted to. Waiting for parts killed me a little bit. Um, there was just too much going on. I was hoping that that would only take a few days and then I could work on another car. But, hey, I mean, in May, the car was in multiple pieces and the engine was seized. And here we are, you know, back a few months later. And I wasn't here the whole time. So I was able to get the car back together and moving under its own power. So I, I guess I'll call that a win, right, Andrew? Yeah. We call that a win. So it's not the goal I was looking for, but it's a bigger goal than I've had. Then I, it's not the goal I was looking for, but it's probably a bigger goal than I expected to happen. I, I, I've owned this car since 2014 and never done anything to it. It just kind of sat sat in storage waiting for the right moment. And this year apparently was the right moment. And momentum has been on my side and I got, got it done. So I'm, I'm pretty happy. Mostly happy. Wish I had brakes. Need to figure out brakes. But anyway, have you been working on anything, Andrew? Um, <clears throat> I haven't been working on nothing. Nothing. Perfect. Been busy. Good. Ordered some parts. Spending money. I got, um, I ordered an air filter for the Galant because it's going to need just a regular air filter. Okay. For speed density. So you got to get rid of the mushroom style one that's on there? Yeah. I was almost going to go with the, just they make a regular mushroom one that would kind of go on there, but instead I went with a ITG filter instead okay so if uh, it's in the stock air box nope it'll just bolt onto the intake hose okay so it's just gonna be an an open element filter on the end Mm -hmm. okay that's cool yep so it won't change much because there'll be no math there but it'll just say itg on it nice um i got my sway bar links in for the sway bar in the glot uh g20 okay um i found the pin code i ordered some Spray bombs online. Ooh. Try it. Yeah, I would. I would have suggested you go down to the local paint store instead. Yeah, it's gonna. Yeah, I mean, I guess it could be a good match, but I have never seen one of the online paint spray bombs being a good match. So it's worth a shot, I guess. And if it doesn't work out, you can go down to the local paint store. Yeah, I mean, they came up first in Google search. Yeah, that doesn't mean anything. That means they paid the most money. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just didn't have time to go down to the paint store. Yeah, I wish you had told me I would have gone one morning. But oh well, anyway, we'll see how it works. Maybe it'll be perfect. And if they're not, at the end of the day, it's paint. We can paint over it. Yeah, so, I mean, I figured, like, reds are weird, right? Reds are hard. Anything metallic is hard. Greens. The problem is your car was painted in 1995. Yeah. It, it was painted the year after the Colt last ran. And it's been sitting in the elements since then. So your pigment color is definitely not going to be the same as it was OEM. Yeah, but they're only going to mix it to the paint coat anyways. 
yeah, but if they don't get it right, they can match it. They, they, you can at least match it out there. You can bring the car down. They can match the paint, look at the car. And if they can't make it right, they have a little calculator thing that they literally put on your paint. And it tells them the exact mix they need to make that paint. I think so, it'll be right. I, I, listen, more power to you. Let's let's hope so. But Going to go for it. Yeah. I'll tell you, when I did my Eclipse door, I did get the paint from them. And they just mixed it off the code. And they screwed it up royally. And I brought it back. And I brought the car. And the lady was like, nope, no returns on paint. And I was like, yeah, but you made the wrong color. She's like, nope, it's always going to be a little off. I'm like, no, you made the wrong color. <laughs> and so I went inside and showed them the car. They were like, oh, yeah, that's on us. <laughs> we'll give you another can of paint. <laughs> yeah. So at least you have that going for you, too, when it comes to the local paint store. I mean, they're small pieces. It's not a whole door. Sure. I think it'll be fun. And it's got a lot of angles right there, so it shouldn't be a problem. But I just, I, I, my fingers are crossed, and I'm hoping for the best. We're going to go for it. Yeah. I, I would make sure you use a dark-colored primer, probably. Uh, I think it's just gray primer. Okay. It's not dark. No. Looking at the car, I'm guessing that it would be better off to have a dark-colored primer. But How do you get a dark-colored primer? You buy a can of dark-colored primer. Is Ready that... brown. Would it be just red-brown or gray? There's a, there's a, a red-brown is a darker color than a gray. Yeah. So, huh. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, maybe it'll work out fine. I'll stop. I'll stop being negative until I see the results. How's that sound? You can try it. I don't know yeah. what to fill in the little nick with it. Go down the part store and have the little little thing of putty. All right. They have they have like final. The name is escaping me now. I'll look it up after the podcast. But they have a little. It's like a pinhole filler. So when you're using typical body filler over a big area, you're gonna have a lot of pinholes. Yeah. And they make a pinhole filler, which is what you need for that. Yeah, because so. I'm just going to scuff it, like wet sand it, with like 600, then 1,000 the plastic. Yep. And clean it. Yep. These are, these are, for those who forget, last week, these are the Amirette headlights. Yeah. They're twin, like, the plastic project, project beam be style. Yep. Although, otherwise, it would just be black plastic that would probably turn white in the sun. And it would look terrible. So they need to be body color. Um, yeah, and they have, uh, yeah, I've got some adhesion promoter. So after they're wet, wet sanded, yep. to scuff them up. Clean them up, prime them, scuff them again, paint them. Yeah. Make sure you have plenty of uh, tack rags to get any dust off and clean them with the best you can, like alcohol or paint or prep. They have prep stuff too. I have some stuff that's uh, okay. SEM stuff. Perfect. For plastic. I mean, honestly, I, I say go to the parts, the paint supply store, but a lot of parts stores, like in Advanced Auto Parts or Pet Boys, would have the same stuff on their shelf, so... You can find most of the stuff there. Yeah, I've got acetone. Um, I don't know if that might be too harsh to clean it after it's primed. Um, it could be. It could go eat right through the primer. Yeah. Depending on what the primer's bases are, but yeah, but primer doesn't have much protection in it as far as a hardener. So it might. Yeah, you uh, just gotta clean it. Scuff it, clean it. What kind of clear did you get? It's the clear they recommended. They sell their own clear. The two K clear. Was it two K clear? Are you judging me? No. Just Harsh, said a, harshly. Just, just said a urethane clear. That's okay. Again, hopefully it's fine. I, if they recommend it, they recommend it. I'm sure it'll be fine. I don't recommend it. But if they recommend it, it's fine. We'll let they're it very small pieces. Yes. The sun will not hit them very hard because they're small. So they won't fade at all. 
they can be repainted. It's yeah, not, they're not. They're not. That's, like a, it's not a whole panel. On the yeah, car. that's the thing. At the end of the day, if this they're this, bolt on, this experiment doesn't work out, we can do it a different way. Yeah. So you know, we can go whole hog and give them to an actual auto body guy and have them do them right. So I'm gonna try it myself. I, I, I listen. I I agree with the process of trying it yourself. Um, I'm hopeful that this solution works because if it does. It'll be a solution I can try. I'm just going based on my previous experience with color-matched internet paint that it's not uh, exactly a well, color-matched internet paint. I'll do it. I'm going to do a little video on it. Okay, so we'll perfect. Do it. We'll do it for the... Uh... We'll do it for the YouTubes. Yeah. All right, excellent. Well, I look forward to watching Andrew the Painter. I know. I've got, I've got other videos I did in the car. I haven't even had a chance to edit yet. So I'm trying to, trying to add more to our... YouTube channel. It's tough having a busy life and trying to do this stuff on top of it. Also, you have a one-year-old, so that also doesn't help. <laughs> yeah, because I like to be around when he's awake. Cause right. He goes to bed at like 7 at night. And so. you can't bring him down the garage and like, here, kid, huff this spray paint yeah. while I do this project. <laughs> and he's not quite old enough yet to understand, hold the camera so I can record this YouTube right. video. Once he's a couple years older, it'll be easier because he can just be your assistant. Yeah, like 10 years older. Uh, maybe a little less than 10. Um... Well, speaking of recording stuff, we uh, we did go down to Rhode Island. We did. To meet with the boys from yes. uh, Revival Motoring. That was a good time. Um, that podcast is out. Uh, I think they're on all platforms. Yep. So you look up Revival Motoring Podcast. Yep. We talked about Climb the Clouds for a little bit. We did. We'll talk about it here, too. But did, did some noi- uh, noise. Did some news stuff with them. Yeah, they're, uh, they have an actual uh, format. Um, we have and a they, format. And they have a board. And they have sound effects, and they have uh, all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah. We have a format. Sure, we never stick to it, but we got one. No, we stick to it a lot of times. Well, we need to get better at sticking to our format. Now we watch somebody else do it. That was. Uh... We absolutely have a format. We just haven't done notes in a while. Okay. We usually go in, we do our intro, we do project updates. Okay. You don't remember the outline? I do. It was a long time ago. It was real inside baseball. It's not that long ago. I do it from my own house. I fly by the seat of my pants. I don't do anything. <laughs> well, anyway. I'm even wearing pants at my own house. It doesn't yeah. even matter. Yeah, this is why we don't do a video uh, podcast. No, I, would, I would wear pants for that. <laughs> sure you would. <laughs> Be fine. So, anyway. Um, yeah, go listen to them. Yeah, listen to Revival. Support their stuff. Support, support the other New England podcast. Because I think, honestly, I don't want to say we were first, but we were first. But then they came in and uh, they killed it. So they do a really good podcast. They're very German car centric, um, but they all have varied interests in Listen, all cars. That's yeah. our that's our angle here. Because oh yeah, we're very mid species centric, but we also <laughs> like other things. I like a lot of Japanese stuff. Yeah, we love Japanese cars more than other countries. But we both own German cars and have owned many German cars and American cars, and so we have the varied interest. And but what I'm saying is they have. If if somebody asked me what was the interest base of that podcast, I'd say it's German car fans. Yeah. So that's where it comes. They come from a German car background. They're all Volkswagen kids growing up to be Volkswagen adults. Yeah, that's accurate. Just don't act, ask them because some of them will say they're BMW adults, but that's fine. Yeah. They also have Japanese cars, so it's okay. Anyway, it's a fun time. Go listen to them. They're, they don't take themselves seriously, and it's fun. So Yeah. They've also got a, uh, a website going, Save the Case. 
Yes, very important. I, uh, that, that, I support that's this. That's proof right there that they like Japanese cars. Yeah. Um, so one of the one of the hosts has a couple of K cars. Yep. And uh, I don't know if we've talked about Renown coming for K cars yet. We talked about Maine coming for Delicas and K trucks. Yep. But now Vermont is coming for them as well. Rhode Island is coming for them as well. And Pennsylvania is coming for them as well. Yep. So that's scary news for anybody in the Northeast that owns at any JDM import because... You know, right now they're talking about K-Trucks, but who's to say they're not going to start talking about anything that doesn't have a proper U.S. sold VIN? So if you live in Rhode Island and you've got a K-Vehicle and uh, they've sent you some letter saying they're going to revoke your insurance. Revoke your registration. Revoke your registration. Yeah. Um, Chuck over the Rival Motoring Podcast wants to hear from you. Yeah, for sure. Go to Save the K's. SaveTheK's.com. And um, yeah, they're, putting, they're trying to put a case together to try to... Yeah. Either to stop grandfather this. everything or yeah. completely stop it. It'd be great to completely stop it because yeah. it's definitely a, a serious case of government overreach, I think, because these vehicles are federally legal and it's just these states arbitrarily saying, eh, we don't like them. Get them out of here. So it doesn't make any sense. There's no, there's no legal background for it. I don't even understand it. I, I understand they're not possibly as safe as an American sold car of the era. You could drive around in a BMW Messerschmitt. You could drive around in an Isetta. You could drive around a Fiat 500, like an early one, like a 50s one. Yep. You could drive around in a Subaru 360 if you have. I can think of one guy. I can drive around in an NSU. Your NSU that they couldn't figure out what it was. Or a Dodge Colt. Yeah. Yeah. I probably know safer. I'm probably less safe in a 70s Dodge Colt than I would be in a 95 K truck. So... It doesn't make any sense, but support the case, save the case, save the case, not support the case. Save yeah. the case is the website. Um, he's selling some merch to help cover the legal fees. So we uh, we don't want to support other podcasts too much, but we do like these guys. So support the crap out of them. No, we'll support them, and we like yeah. We, we like, support we support those that we, we like. like Revival Movering. We're big fans of Drive All Awesome. There's this like there's several podcasts we're big fans of. So yes, we support those who we actually enjoy. We we push those who we like. I guess yeah. that's how you can say it. Yeah. You don't need to apologize for that. No. All right. Anyway, um, there was some news. We kind of covered it on that show, but we'll talk about it here because the new three. Four. Four. But four. It's not even called that. It's just it's the just new Z. Z. Yeah. The new Z dropped. Yep. Uh, I'm all in on the blue interior. I'm not all in on the blue interior. Um, I love it. I like that they're doing a color. I don't like the color. Like they're doing a color. I think that the, I don't know. I I have to see it in person. Let me refrain from that opinion until I see it in person because I made uh, I made some pretty inflammatory statements last week about the new Countach, and uh, now that I've seen more pictures, I'm like, uh, maybe. So, it's not bad. I don't really care that much about it. Well, I don't care at all about it because it's totally outside of my purview of interest. But it's weird that it's just an Aventador with like a appearance package. That's. Yeah, again, that seems to be on brand. For but whatever, yeah. it'll print money for them. In fact, I think they're all they're sold all out. sold out already at two and a half million dollars. Good for them. I I still stand by the fact that I think it looks like some weird Eastern European tuning, tuning it, house. I think it looks better than the regular Adventador. Sure. And it's got a good retro style to it. If I'm going to spend that kind of money, though, I'm just going to buy an actual Countach. Fair. Just, that's but that's my old car life coming through. Yeah. And uh, I will never have the money to buy either of these cars. So I guess it doesn't matter. I'm just not that into newer Lamborghinis. They don't feel like um, driver's no. cars. There's a couple, I think, that are. There's a couple of manuals that are out there. 
Um, and I think that I don't know wh- where do you stand on modern sports cars not having manual transmissions? Doesn't bother me. I mean, that's just the way they are. I yeah. guess. Yeah. I I I don't love the fact that they don't have manual transmissions because that was always like the you know what separated the sports cars from non sports cars. Uh, honestly, we've talked about this before. For that kind of money, I'm just gonna buy a Porsche. <laughs> yeah, but um, my my main thought, and I've talked to a few people who seem to have a similar thought, is that these new cars are so fast. They feel like they're just straight line fast, though. Yeah, but a manual would slow the car down. And I'm not I'm not talking about like, you know, oh, my Camaro is faster on the Nurburgring because it's got an automatic ten speed. I'm talking about like legitimately, you couldn't enjoy driving a new hypercar with a manual transmission because you would just constantly be shifting and constantly breaking parts because they're hypercars. Yeah, but I mean uh, as far as like if we're like no budget if I'm in that space, I'm going to try to buy a Ferrari over Lamborghini. Yeah, probably. Um just I don't know. I don't know what I would buy. I, it's, but then it's, it's if probably I want... because I'm so outside of the interest of it. I just don't know what I would buy. There's, they're all kind of the same. They're all owned by the same guy who pulls into the same car show and revs the crap out of them and then leaves. You know, and if we're into like modern sports cars, I just want a Porsche. I just feel like they're more of a driver's car. Yeah. No, I think there's no. It's still being hyper fast. It's it's hard to be in in the space in your head where you grew up. In the 80s and 90s where you had the poster cars of the Countach and the F40 and the 959. And that was, you know, your dream to own that car. And now as a, a practical, normal adult, you're like, I like my Volkswagen station wagon. Would I like a faster car? Sure. Do I need a Lamborghini, though? No. Yeah, yeah well, my other issue, too, <clears throat> is there fancy Volkswagens? I don't care about that. They have been for a long time. It just means that they're. Yeah. It just means that they're hypercars that work. This is true, but yeah. um, if you want to spend a lot of money on a super fast car, I can just buy an Audi, and it's less outlandish looking. Yeah, I I think that's the move too. Is, like is you can just can... buy an like if you have a ton of money, you can buy an R six wagon with the box flares. Yeah, and, and a sports car getting an R eight. <laughs> and it's yeah. like that wagon fits four people. It's the size of my wagon. It has like 600 horsepower. It's yeah. super wide. I think that with the wrong people even talk about this because it's, it's <clears throat> having a very hard time separating the cost of the car from my conversation about the car because I can't, I can't even fathom adding a zero to the price of my house to buy a car. Yeah, I'm just not thinking <laughs> about the price. I'm just talking about... I, I, can't, I can't separate it though. I can't. Yeah, but if you're... This is just a thought experiment here. Yeah, what but would you, I, I can't separate you, it. Even in thought, I just spent three weeks slaving over the engine bay of a car that I paid two hundred and fifty dollars well, for. Your own fault, but so <laughs> I just I, I don't I have a very hard time with it because there's I, I I'm not a skilled enough driver to exploit the um performance of one of these cars. I don't own cars that are fast per se around a track anyway i just don't know that even i i don't know i, I my point they're is neat. like they're kind of outlandish right so if you want to sure. spend that kind of money and have a fast car like porsche is not as garish no. but like if you want a real sleeper car, like an rs7 but you can make a porsche garish <laughs> but like an rs7 <laughs> is going to be almost as fast 
mm-hmm. and completely unassuming. Just a big ass sedan. I think that's where the you lose that sports car by buying the wagon. I don't think that's the. I'm good talking comparison. about an RS7 sedan, the big. Okay, you lose that sports car by buying a big sedan. I think that you're losing that. I don't consider those those are hypercars, not sports cars. But you're still losing any of that by buying a sedan. You're not having the same. It's the, the, the conversation is not the same between the two. I of them. don't know. The new Black Wings are amazing. I've heard. Yeah, but we're talking about a sixty to hundred thousand dollar car versus a two million dollar car. There's a huge. It's not. It's not said in the same space. Like, yeah, you can have that what car as well. Two million dollars. Uh, the new Countach is two point five. Oh, they just did that because they can charge that much. But what, the, what it's based on? New, the Aventador is not two million. I bet a new SVJ something 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 is two million dollars. But either way, it's a million dollars, and there's a hell of a lot of a price difference between sixty to hundred grand and a million dollars. I thought they were like one hundred fifty grand. You can still buy eight of them for the price of one Lamborghini. <laughs> yeah, I thought Lamborghini was like one hundred fifty. Like, a oh Gerardo? god, no, no, you're. Yours, you're ten years in like ago? 1999, my friend. I don't know where you've been thinking about price wise, but no, they're all 300 plus minimum. Oh, well, whatever. Didn't you bring a gag gift for this podcast? I didn't bring a gag gift. It has to come up when it comes up, and it'll come up when it comes up, and all we'll right. get there. All right, fine. And it's not a gift at all. It's not for you. In fact, it'll be for the trash because it's embarrassing. Okay. But it'll make you laugh when we get there. All right. I'm looking up Lamborghini prices right now because right. I'm quite upset. I don't understand where. You're getting right. your pricing from. Uh, whatever. Anyway, climb the clouds. Sure. Wait, we didn't even finish talking about the, the Z. We got all off topic on a... We were talking about a Z? Yeah. The, the blue interior is awesome. And so Lamborghini Urus. Yeah. Which is the dumb SUV. Yeah. What do you think that car costs? 150 grand. 218 grand base. Jesus. That's what I'm saying. I wonder why they're on all the uh, reality shows that Stephanie watches. Yeah, they're, Kardashians they're bad. They're bad cars, bad prices. All right, so New Z's out. I think it looks awesome. It looks very close to the concept. Got a VQ or something. It, yeah, if it's a Nissan, of course it does. Four horsepower, twin turbo. I think it'll sell a ton. I don't see why they wouldn't. No. It's the same price as the base model, the base version of the Supra, which comes with the small four-cylinder versus mm-hmm. the six-cylinder. Why they wouldn't sell every one they make, I don't know. And you can get it manual if you want. It's cool. That's come out. Uh, yeah, which the Z, uh, sorry, the Super does not come in a manual. No. no, but the GR86 does. And that's a way cooler car. 2020 Lamborghini Aventador SVJ. Starting price. That's a stupid name. Starting price. I don't know. 400000 $517,000. Jeez. Right. That's why I'm saying you can't compare <laughs> your Audi sedan to a... All right. Anyway. Sorry. So... Moving on. Head to right, point. Whatever. The, um... Yeah, the GR86 is out. Yeah, the new GR86 is really good. Which I thought... they. It's weird they didn't come out the same time as the Subaru BRZ, the new one. I guess not. Which I think was already out. It came out a couple months ago. Yeah. So when the latest Gymkhana video was filmed, so Gymkhana... Oh, that's right. It was in it. 11 or something, whatever number they were on. The one that oh, Travis Pastrana good, did. Good segue here. They did the donuts around the telephone bowls. Yeah. And that was the facelifted GR86. If you watch... BRZ. 
Yes, because it was Subaru. Mm-hmm. If you watch the last season of Launch Control, the Subaru like television show they put on Amazon, yeah, the vehicle they used in that, which was filmed in late 2020, was still a prototype car. Uh-huh. So they didn't have... It's two yawns in one episode. You're fired. Whatever. Um, so they didn't have... The car was still currently on like the auto show tour. So they were like, don't scratch it, but go do donuts around it. Okay. <laughs> so they definitely have both come out recently, but the Subaru did come out first. Um, the, one, the one thing I've heard about the car is the general internet fanboys are still complaining because it did not get a big bump in horsepower. No, but they move the torque curve. The general internet fanboys don't know anything about torque curves and how cars drive. And everybody who I've read that actually drove the car is like, it's a completely different car now. Like, the car actually feels significantly faster than the old one, even though the, the, the final peak horsepower number is only changed by a few. It's where that power comes on that makes the car much more entertaining and drivable. So, I would like to drive one. I've driven an old one. It was fun. I would love to drive one. Yeah. I wish we could get that hookup to drive one. Yeah. I've, I've That's driven... right in our wheelhouse. I don't even care that we say we do a lot of old cars. That's the type of... New car, we would be. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, if 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 you had the gun to my head right now and said, "Brad, you need to buy a new car," I'd have a hard time choosing between that and a Miata. Yeah. Those those would be the two cars. I I can't think of anything else new on the market that I'd be like, "Yeah, all right, I'll buy that." Yeah. But if you were forcing me to buy a car and spend money, not giving it to me. Yeah. See, we talk about all these other new sports cars. Meanwhile, the Golf, like the GTI and the Miata, just soldier on, continuing with good models. Yeah. Like they haven't. As far as like you know, cars getting worse as they get older, or as like they the models progress, or getting bigger. Right. GTIs and Miatas have remained they pretty, both pretty true. They both faltered a little bit. Okay. Around the same time. <laughs> Mark sixes aren't regarded. It's usually like Mark fives are pretty good. No, Mark sixes are better than Mark fives. I think as far as golfs go. Um, I think you're opposite, but no, Mark five came out after the Mark four, obviously. Um, and then it was a little bit lazier of a car than the Mark 6. The Mark 6 improved on it. The Jettas and other cars were not as good in the Mark 6 as the Mark 5. I think you're actually wrong on that, but that's okay. I, Most I, people regard the Mark 5s as better versus the Mark 6. We should ask our friends at the German Car Podcast, Revival Motoring, what they think. But I think the Mark 6 is a better car. The Mark 7 is a better car than that. And then the new Mark 8 is an ugly vehicle. <laughs> I think it's awesome. I love the thinner headlights. Oh, I don't like it. I think it's great. But and then the Miata, they kept, obviously, they have kept the formula. My point is, they've kept the formula sure. the same and haven't diluted it or made it too big. No, no, they've kept it pretty close. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with that. And it's funny. So, the Mark III Volkswagen Golf was the first generation where it became almost like average car size. It became bigger. It's still not a big car, but it became bigger than the Mark IIs by a pretty good, pretty good margin. Barely. Um, the Mark IV came out, and people complained that it got fat and heavy. But the Mark IV was such a similar size and shape to the Mark III that the Mark IV Cabriolets were still just Mark III's the Mark IV nose. That shows you how close they were in size and shape. So they called it Mark III and a half. Um, and then the Mark V, in my opinion, was not as good as the six. Um, and then the Mark Seven's a great car. Mark Seven's probably one of the like one of the best cars you can buy 
under 50 grand, honestly, for an enthusiast daily drivable car. And they're significantly under 50 grand. So I like those cars a lot. But anyway, I, I would still buy a Miata or a 8.6 first. I mean, there's also a new WRX coming out, which supposedly has a new manual that was teased this week. Yep. Um, so that should be interesting. Those have been excited me since they changed the, what, GD body style? The latest ones, I don't even remember the note, the code form are right. very big. I don't really like the way they look. No, they all have that similar, looks like every other sedan right now look. Yeah. They usually have a, so like the 2002 WRX and the three body styles from there, the Bug Eye, the Blob Eye, and the Hawk Eye, they all had a boxy look that was uniquely them because no other cars were really boxy, boxy then. Um, but the new one just kind of looks like every other sedan. Like we saw that 2022 228i or whatever, or 235i. I don't even know what that was. We started on the highway. We thought it was a Corolla. <laughs> like We're like, what is that car? It's not yeah. a BMW. So it's the, the Subaru has that similar look. So hopefully right. the new one doesn't. So speaking of Subarus and yes, launching. moving on. You uh, said good segue a while ago, and then I totally derailed yep, the segue. You did. Um, PRZs and stuff. Yes. Uh, Climb of the Clouds. Yeah, it was The good Subaru, time. brought to you by Subaru and Yokohama Tire. Yep. Which uh, I enjoy Subarus, but we both enjoy Yokohama Tires. Yeah, we've I've put, I've, I've hit, bought hit, you Anyone from Yokohama that's listening, we'd love to, we would, we've each have like multiple cars with Yokohamas on them. Yeah, nobody's listening from Yokohama, unfortunately. Ah, darn. No, I'm sorry. Some guy, some guy at uh, uh, Pep Boys Tire is listening. Yeah. He's like, we'll get these guys some tires. Federal, you guys want some Federalis? Yeah. Uh, Linglongs? Any number of them. What's the one the DWA guys make fun of all the time? Mucho Machos? Mucho Machos. That's my favorite one. Mucho tigers? They like Tigers? Triangles. <laughs> super super Tigers, whatever they are. They're all terrible. Um, anyway. Yeah, Climb the Clouds. So, uh, Strata broke his record. Yeah, as, I was, as way was expected. off. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I've been so excited to talk about this. I said plus or minus 25 seconds. You said plus or minus five <laughs> seconds. And even at plus or minus 25 seconds, you were still off by a minute. No, I wasn't. What time did you say? 4.45. Okay, so you were still off by 30 seconds. Yeah. So, no, even more. Because he was 5. 5.28. 5.28. From 5.44. So, yeah. So he cut 16 seconds off his previous record. Mm-hmm. From what we heard when he got out of the car at top, he was like, nope. Never again. Ceiling's probably five for someone. For someone, I don't know if it's him. I don't. Uh, I, I don't know if the ceiling is five. I think that uh, something will come out there and it will just be ridiculous. You know, Volkswagen will bring out their electric Pikes Peak car and just. Problem is the road is not that big. When you compare yeah. it to Pikes Peak, Pikes Peak is the size of Route 16, driving up to Mount Washington. For those locals not here, that's a very wide road. It's a two-lane highway. Yeah, with wide shoulders. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, you've got exposure on Pike's Peak, but mm-hmm. it is a two-lane highway. There's the more room for error. Yeah, so there's more room to go fast. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I I think that somebody will break the five-minute barrier. I think it will be not so bananas, and I'm not going to say it's next year or next time it happens, but I think it'll get broken eventually. There was a time when an Audi ran the hill at like seven minutes, and they were like. Nothing will ever be faster than seven minutes, and here we are, time marching on. It was also on. mostly dirt. Yeah, but, and here we are, time marching on. We're deep into the fives. So I, I think 
someday somebody will break a five minute record on that on that hill, but I don't know if it's in anything that exists right now, that's for sure. Yeah, we shall see. Yeah. I'd I'd what would make me super happy is if we can get or not we, the royal we, if the hill, the race itself, can get the same kind of coverage that Pikes Peak does. Yeah. And the same kind of competitors that Pikes Peak does. So I think Subaru's involvement is huge. I think think this is a bit of a tipping point here. For sure. And and I think Subaru's involvement is absolutely huge. And I don't want to see it to the point where, you know, the local competitors can't do it anymore. Um, But there's got to be some kind of some kind of draw for the bigger teams to come in because there aren't any other factory-backed teams out there. Subaru's the only one doing anything rally-wise right now, right? That's right. But there could be other non-privateer teams out there, Um, somebody that can compete with Pastrana at the top. If you had three, two, three, four drivers that were competing for a time and it wasn't just Pastrana with the most expensive car and the most technology and the most team backing him to get to the top of the hill the fastest. So, I mean, there's some local drivers who are pretty scrappy and pretty fast. Yeah. They just don't have the car that Subaru gave an open checkbook to Vermont Sports Car and said, build the most ridiculous car you can build and go conquer this challenge. So, that's a big part of it. Yeah, but that being said, that car was pretty freaking cool. The car was awesome. I'm not, <laughs> no no hate on the car. It, it was impressive to see in person. Yeah, it was very impressive. To watch the exhaust just pouring out of the hood, like, it was cool. The car was yeah. awesome. It, and it went by, and it, it you certainly knew it went by. There was nothing. You watch race cars go by all day, and it's it's impressive for the entire afternoon. And then when that last car went by, it's just like, that's another level. He averaged 83 miles an hour the whole way up the road. 83 miles an hour average. Yeah. He touched 140 on multiple occasions. 140. It's it's unfathomable. Ooh, I got the word right that time. Unfathomable as somebody who's driven the mountain at a normal 20 mile an hour pace. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, but, you know, I was really surprised how quick the video was out. It was out the next day. Yeah, it was very fast. So you can go watch the video. Uh, you probably have already watched it if, if you listen to us. More than likely. It's a, on Subaru's official YouTube channel, actually. Yep. Um I mean, comparatively, 528, then we have our friend Jordan and our friend Dan, who did it just to say they did the event. Um, they ran like an 855, which is pretty, which pretty is good moving. in a non-turbo Subaru. Absolutely. Absolutely moving. And there was a lot of teams. And it's a first time. And yeah. I, th- I don't think that Dan had ever even driven on the mountain road before. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. And the, yeah, I think cause that was one of the things that Jordan said. Is he's like, this guy's never even driven up this road before. We're going to do it at speed. <laughs> Yeah, and then um, there was other privateers that had run times that would have been records. Yeah. Yeah. There were no other cars in the, on, that broke six minutes, though, right? No. Yeah, which which is insane. That that also shows you how fast Pastrana Subaru is and Pastrana is because he beat his own record of 545 at 528, and not a single other car hit, broke six minutes. Like, And they're open-wheeled you know, dedicated race cars, and he's out there, granted also dedicated race I car. I think it's but the, the horsepower number. 
it it's the horsepower number and the insane arrow that car has and the amount of time that car has spent in a wind tunnel making sure it had the correct arrow but it's still just it's an absurd thing it is it, it, it defies explanation unfortunately it's it's such a cool number but other cars what was your favorite car of the day um the original john buffham tr8 was pretty cool that's cool from his stuff back in the day. Yep, like a 76 or a 77 Triumph TR8. Pretty awesome. Um, the vintage cars are always my always my jam. Um, the 510? The Datsun 510 was the most, like, raucous of the vintage cars. Yeah. It was very raw. It was very loud. No, the Capri was. Hmm. Capri was way louder. Was it? The orange Capri? Yeah, I didn't. I don't think I noticed it being louder. But Bru- what? I'll take your word for it. Oh my god! Everybody, it was so loud. Like people are like, "Wow, that car is really loud!" Like it's... the loudest car of the day was the Toyota Paseo from Peru. That was yeah. actually it was. I think it was a tie actually between that and the Capri. Like really? they both would tickle your brain. Huh? I don't know. I, I don't know why I didn't notice. Maybe he wasn't in it as hard going by our point of view. It but was very loud. Yeah. Um, do you happen to know what was in that Paseo for an engine? The hood was never open. I walked over real quick and looked at it. I know it was all stripped out. Yeah, it wasn't a Paseo engine, that's for sure. Sure, it wasn't like a... What, it was a Toyota, right? So what... Yeah, it would have been something like a... They didn't have like a, a small V6. No, no, Mazda and Mitsu did. Um, it would have been something... It was definitely a four-cylinder, but it would have been something like a... What's that, a 2ZZ? It was one of the yeah, higher four-cylinders. Or it could have been like a Beams um, Altezza motor. They had a front-wheel drive version of that in some cars. Yeah. It could have been an old... Um, yeah, and the 4AG. It could have been a 4AG. I, yeah. I, I don't know what was in it, but I know a Paseo, OEM Paseo has come with a little 1.5 that makes, you know, 67 horsepower. Oh. So it definitely was not based on that. It was pretty cool. <laughs> it was a wild car. It was cool they brought the car up from Peru. Um, I, I didn't realize that they could do that during this whole, you know, health crisis time. Yeah. But because the Canadian teams couldn't come down, so I was surprised. To well, see it was just shipped. shipped. Yeah, but then they all came too. Well, I noticed their trailer had Florida tags on it. Okay. So I don't know if some of them were based out of Florida. Well, Florida plays most things fast and loose, so who knows. But anyway, it was cool. It was cool to see a car from a foreign country participate. Three years ago yeah. or four years ago, it was the uh, Toyota Starlet from Europe. So it's neat, neat to see. Again, that that goes to show some of this, uh, you know, notoriety. This it's a pretty important has. race. Yeah, it's an important race. So, yeah, but I would say my favorite car of the day though was um, probably a tie between that Capri you're talking about and uh, Tim O'Neill's AMX. Oh yeah, that was pretty cool. That was a pretty wild car. <laughs> Unfortunately, it didn't seem to be running very well, but. Well, it was carbureted. He was, was trying cool to run car. it at uh, run an elevation from cool. the bottom to the top. He was having some serious oil consumption issues, too. It was blowing a ton of smoke every time it by yeah. us. So, neat car. So, I hiked in. Yep. A little over two miles. Yeah. Something like 700 foot of elevation. I took the media van up. Um, I am not a hiker. It's very evident. It's more evident. Yeah. I I, should hike more, too. I I have hiked more in the past few years than I've ever hiked in my life, but I've never hiked elevation. 
and I think that's where the big change you have was. Elevation out there, you can hike. Yeah, but we don't we we don't hike the elevation. You can why choose you to hike the, flat parts. Why don't you do it in the winter time? So cool. maybe I'll have to, so that next time I go to Mount Washington, I can not die to do it. Yeah. But the other problem is because you're like not that far from the mountains out there. No. That's the thing. Like where I am here, two hours to the mountains. Where you guys are, you're like thirty minutes less. But there's no race cars in these mountains. So what's my motivation? <laughs> a beautiful view. We'll hike for a beautiful view. Any of the mountains that are a 20 to 30 minute drive from the house, the view is going to be the city. So this is not a cool view. Anyway, there's no race cars there. I will hike for race cars any day. Okay. It's hiking for not race cars where my issue lies. I mean, if they ever hold the Prescott Rally again, the, uh, they the just heck, canceled that. What the heck is the stage? The stage with the cut on it. Yes. That is... I don't know the name of it, but... I mean, that starts at 6,000 feet, goes up to 9,000 feet. Yeah, that's the elevation I would probably die trying to hike. So That's what's kind of crazy, right? So, <laughs> if you... The top of Mount Washington is 6,000 feet. Yep. But if you just drive to Prescott, it's 5,000 feet from right. Phoenix. Yep. And you're not above trees. Nope. And then the Prescott Rally, like one of the stages starts above or starts at the top of what would be Mount Washington. Yep. And goes and goes higher. And then it goes three thousand feet higher. Yeah. Up a narrow end gauge. A, a lot of that has to do with the amount of elevation around it. Mm-hmm. Like the 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 square, the sheer square miles of area around these peaks are also high, so it doesn't seem as high. Whereas six thousand feet above sea level in New Hampshire I, is six thousand feet above everything. I don't know why I can't remember the name of that uh, stage now, but that that has just as much exposure as the auto road does. Yeah. Because it's it's on a the, what used to be was an N-gauge railroad bed mm-hmm. to the mine, so it's not very wide. Right. And, um, yeah, it goes through that, like, cutout part. The cutout's a cool spot, yeah, for sure. That's an you gotta, icon- you got to I- fight the one guy that takes pictures there. Yeah, an iconic the, spot. The, the troll there that takes pictures. you got to fight him to take pictures if you want. But, unfortunately, that event got canceled again this year, mm-hmm. just last week. Yeah. So, anyway, so the point is, I hiked up to my viewing spot. Yeah. Um. I died four times, and was revived. Was Oregon Trail and was revived six. <laughs> it was rough. Thankfully, I was hiking with some wonderful people who are very um, tolerant of not experienced hikers in their hikes. So, when the event was over, it came time to go back to the car, and I was like, "Man, I am not looking forward to this hike back to the car. It's all downhill." Yeah, but my legs were like jello at this point, and a lot of going down. You say going downhill is easy, but it's not. It's really rough on your knees. And I knew that I was already in trouble, and I wouldn't make it the same. So we decided to hike down the auto road itself. So our two friends went back the path. Our experienced hiking friends went back the path to the car. Um, One of our other experienced hiking friends stayed with me just to stay with me. (laughs) And then the two of us, me and Andy, hiked down the auto road. We had made it probably, I don't know, an eighth of a mile. And this seemingly nice gentleman pulled over. And uh, he was like, hey, do you guys want to ride to the base? So, obviously, stranger danger. You shouldn't get in a stranger's car. The sign on the auto road says no hitchhiking. Right. I didn't. We didn't hitchhike because we didn't ask for a ride. That's true. So, I think we're okay. Um but it was questionable at best. He was driving like a fairly new Lincoln Navigator. But what made it totally fine 
was the man had a worker um, pass on. So he was a worker of the mountain. Yeah. So I was like, all right, this guy's a volunteer. We'll get in this guy's car. That's cool. So he pulls over. His car is full from his whole weekend of being up in the, the, the mountains there. Um, he was working a corner where he had a TV set up and a camera set up, and he was filming it and per- like showing it live on the television to spectators in the area. Okay. I'm not sure why you'd want to see that because you're seeing it go right in front of you, and his Jumbotron was like a 32-inch Vizio in the back of his truck. But, cool. There was some paraphernalia in the vehicle of political nature that I won't get into. Um, that was not of the same agreement of other people that were with the group, including maybe or maybe not myself. But whatever. Again, I'm going to keep... He's giving us a ride at the bottom. He's a volunteer here at the event. He's cool, right? So we get in his vehicle. He's moving all his stuff around. And he stops and he turns and he looks at me. And he looks at me up and down. Awkward. Yeah. He goes, you need one of these. Okay. And he handed me a t-shirt and it was all rolled up. All right. By looking at me, he knew I needed this t-shirt. All right. And he handed me a rolled up t-shirt. And I couldn't look at it because I had all my camera gear in one hand. I had a backpack. I had a chair. I had a water bottle. I had all this stuff. So I'm like, oh, what is it? And he's like, ah, just look at it later. And I'm like, all right, cool. So I what brought. Did you forget about it? Because we saw you at the base. You didn't tell me anything. No, I about stuffed this. it in my backpack. And oh. then I didn't even look at it until later. I didn't even look at it until like two days ago because I, I forgot it was in there. So I brought Exhibit A. And you need to remember, this is the T-shirt that he looked at me and gave me. So, have you taken a picture of this? I'm I, I I'm no longer a fan of this man. Ready? You All have right. his T-shirt. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> what the Christ is happening here? I don't think you should even take a picture of this T-shirt. So, this T-shirt is a a fist. Yeah. In the 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 typical. Um, you know, 2021, you see a, a black printed fist. It's the Black Lives Matter logo. But it says, Fat Lives Matter. <laughs> and below that, in smaller print, it says, Open the Buffets. <laughs> so now, not only did I die a 100,000 times going up this mountain in the morning... Some random and my man, you are a buffet enthusiast. I know it from looking at you. Yes, this man who also <laughs> Hello, was fellow buffet enthusiast. I, listen, I, I I'm not a svelte individual. Okay, <laughs> I'm not either, but it's fine. Also, this, you, know, you know what size this T-shirt is? Three XL. It is three XL. <laughs> yes, I do not wear three XL. I'm not. I'm not a svelte individual. I'm not a small man. Um, I was probably half of this size of this guy's size. So I have a T-shirt now that I will never wear. Um, I I I only admit that I own this T-shirt now because it made a funny story for here. Um, but it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. If it wasn't even the fact that it was like totally like trivializing something that's going on right now, it's also like, what the Christ? Why did this man look at me and think that? I would like buffets to open. I can't tell you the last time I ate in a goddamn buffet. Is there, like, no. Because they're not open. As an adult? Nope. <laughs> Before the year 2020, 
I cannot tell you the last time I went into a buffet because as an adult, you don't eat in the buffet. You eat in normal restaurants. <sighs> but anyway, so yes, this guy apparently thought the world of me. I thought that. It's awesome. This is why I'm picking this guy up. He's fat and he's a fat Lives Matter t-shirt. Cool. I'm very upset now. Anyway, super nice guy otherwise. We got to the bottom. I had purchased a day pass for Sunday. Yeah. But since I hiked in through the Pinkham Notch, Mm -hmm. I didn't get a wristband. Yeah. So I couldn't get into the paddock. It was the end of the day. Nobody literally cared. But I didn't even know this. the point. I'm like, damn, how am I going to get in the paddock now? So we were driving down the mountain, and I was like, all right, just leave us right here, and we'll try to you know, sneak in the back this way. And he goes, oh, don't worry about it. And he just turned his truck into the paddock. <laughs> yeah, because no, yeah. nobody cares. I was like, it, oh, It was cool. literally the, all the cars were done. Everybody was packing up. So anyway, I now have this T-shirt that I don't know what to do with. Um, I'll probably leave it here in the podcast studio for you to do whatever you want with it. You can burn it, <laughs> cut it into rags. Maybe I should take it home and cut it into rags. Yeah, you can take that home. I don't want it. Yeah. <laughs> Just, you, Here, you, you throw this away. You get a picture. That's all you care about. Oh, my goodness. So, anyway, that's the end of my day at uh, Climb of the Clouds. It was a great day. The racing was good. Cars were good. Views were good. People were good. Met some actually cool people that were spectating. Um, made some new friends. Good times. Yeah, I met up with uh, listener Steve Booten. Awesome. His, uh, his wife, Katie. Wife, Katie, mm-hmm. yep. Um, they're cool. They yeah, were, super cool. I spent uh, a lot of the New England Forest Rally with them. They were up at Signal Corps with me in awesome. the morning. And then, uh, so I, uh, the morning of, I shot Signal Corps, and then I went down to the bottom, shot the first turn, did some, shot most of the lower mountain on Saturday. Didn't really go up high. It was, it was cold. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was clear, but it was too cold. I just didn't want to go up. Like I said, we Plus, were, you end up with like a lot of the same shots as everybody else if you're at Craigway. We were at mile like 2.5, mm-hmm. um, and it was cold up there. Yeah. You know, in the, in the morning. It was breezy. It was breezy, yeah. So, um, I need to get some drift days, practice more with my camera. I'm like not used to it. I didn't, I was out of practice. So, I'm not out of practice. I've been taking a lot of pictures lately, but I switched to a new lens, um, and I was not... I'll, I I have a few shots that I'll, I'll be posting. I just haven't had much of a chance to edit because I've been working on the Colt every night after work. So I do have a few shots that I will be posting. I just, I, uh, I, I, I switched to a new lens and I've never used any kind of a zoom lens for action shots before. Um, and my camera is a bit older, so it's a bit slower. And uh, I got a lot of, I'm not as thrilled with what's happened this time. But I had a lot of focus failures, which is interesting. kind because, of what I had. Um, my lenses have all been calibrated, like recently, like yep. the beginning of this year. I, I sent them out. Actually, the place that's near you, Chris Cam in yep. Arizona, because my lenses are a little bit older. They Canon won't work on them anymore. Sure. Um, so they're basically brand new again, mm-hmm. and they're just like, and and I think it was just a matter of the 5D Mark IV, the new camera I have, just has a lot of autofocus settings, yep. and I just didn't hit on the right settings. Um. I, th- I think my issue this time was I've, I've never really shot. I haven't shot much with the zoom. I got some pretty decent shots at New England's Forest Rally with the same camera, but I was able to do some good long pans at New England Forest Rally mm-hmm. where I was viewing climb to the clouds from. The cars were coming at me, and my camera is not super fast, so it was hard to focus on the car at the right point with the autofocus. Yep. 
Uh, and I was relying too heavily on the autofocus, I think, and that's what happened. I should have manually focused it, but... No, you have to autofocus. Well, then I don't know what happened. I have to figure it out. You can't... Well, th- that camera just might not have quick enough autofocus. The, yeah. the newer stuff has multiple points. I mean, the camera's only from 2007, so... Um, it might have just been, like, on mine, the way I had it set, because... There's different settings where you can have them where they move, but you can have them try to ignore stuff that's in the foreground. So if it doesn't, you know, so it doesn't capture like a rock that you're panning by instead. Right. So it's interesting. I got to play with it more. A good way to do that would be to go to a local drift event. Yep. Because the cars are constantly they're lapping. constantly going by, and also unlike so at like a circuit race like Lime Rock or something. Cars are pretty much going in one plane. Right. They're going by you as they should be because if they're going sideways, they're crashing. Right. Um, but like rally, they drift and they move. So the, the cool thing, the it's really useful to practice at a drift day because they're pitching the cars in different ways. So, so the car may end up uh, parallel to you mm-hmm. or it may end up where the nose is pointing at you and the rear of the car is drifting further away from you. Or there's like there's multiple angles and speeds that they're working at, so it's like a really good way to practice your panning and action shots for cars. And um, I just need to get down there and do plus that. I've never been to a drift day. Yeah, um, I need to get to one. I'll, I'm gonna try to get to one this winter. We have a few different uh, clubs in Phoenix that run drift, so mm-hmm. I'll have to get to one. All right, cool. Anything else? I think that's probably it for today. I mean, we've gone pretty long, actually, considering. Yeah. All right. Well, on that. It's quarter of it's quarter of midnight here. <laughs> yeah. On that t-shirt cannon bomb. Yeah. That's an episode. I don't even know what to say about it. I don't All know right. what to say to this man. Like, if I ran this guy again tomorrow, what would I say to him? I don't know. You call me fat bro? Was yeah. he a big guy? He was two of me, at least. Okay. All right. Anyway. So, as always. Follow us Auto Topic Podcast on uh, Facebook, Auto Off Topic on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram, Race and Anger. And Brian, where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram at TSISS350, or if apparently you prefer, TSIS350. Yeah. I don't prefer it, but you can prefer it. It's fine. TSISSS350. GTI RS450. 450 is not even a real common engine size all right gti listen when this name became a 454 thing, i owned two vehicles an eagle talon tsi and a camaro everybody knows 50, the story so it's is what it is and i've just stuck with it forever and i keep talking about changing it and i just you'll never change it i don't know how to change it you to. can't now i don't want yeah. I, but i can't change it to something else because everything will seem forced maybe i don't like it I mean, fat guy matters. That's gonna be my new. I need to be carbureted, Brad. Carbrad Raider. Carbred, carbred Raider. Carbrad Raidered. That's not Carbrad bad Raider. actually. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not anti that, but nobody can pronounce that either. So no. That would also become an issue. Yeah. Carbed. Brad berated. Nope. Don't like it. Nope. Nope. It's out. TSI SS three five zero. No. Uh, no EFI. For Brad. TSI EFI SS 350. <laughs> no. All right. As we spent the whole first half of this podcast talking about a carburetor. <laughs> like.
in what in what weird plane of reality is this? We're on a podcast, a very twenty twenty one thing, talking about carburetors. So uh, you talk about carburetors. Yeah, well, you were there. You weren't there when I was working on it, actually. No, you were there for the wiring portion. Yep. No carburetors for Andrew. Nope. We'll they're they're too analog for me. They're not. You still want to buy? Them I Volvo. like to keep my cars analog, but not carburetors. <laughs> You're just not authentic. <laughs> yeah, so fake. So fake. All right. Keep the cars analog. Ish. Ish. And uh, aim for the roses. Ish. <laughs>